Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love these videos about the first Christmas. Because when we think of Mary, we think of what? Well, if you've come up with a Catholic background, you think, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you, and other things like that. For men, we think of football, the football pass, you know, the last second play, throw it to the end zone, maybe we're going to win, maybe we're not. But these videos show the humanness of who Mary really was, just a young girl that the Lord used. It's funny how this young girl and her journey in life from this little backwaters town just, you know, in this ancient place would be known all over the world. There's not a person in this world that does not know who Mary is, I dare say. She's a very iconic picture of faith. And for centuries, there's been sections of our faith who, who have really used prayer to Mary. Uh, you know, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. You know, it's taken right from the Scripture. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That prayer has been used over and over since the 15th century. Something happened during the 15th century that we went from praying to God to God is so scary, there's no way we can approach him, so therefore we need to pray to other people who will pray to God for us. And I don't, it's not a biblical thing, I don't see it, but something happened. So how can it be that this young girl is having a baby, had such a profound impact on this world, unless something very unique Very unique was used by God. If you'll turn to Luke 1 this morning, we're going to look at what's called the, you know, the, the big church word, the Annunciation is what it's called, of when this girl found out she was going to be something very special in this world. Luke 1.26, it says, in the sixth month. Well, first off, we, we really have to stop right there. In the sixth month of What? Well, last week we talked about uh, Zechariah, the, the priest who served God faithfully, even though God hadn't spoken to the world in over 400 years. And an angel showed up and basically said, hey, old guy, you're going to have a baby in your old age. And Zechariah was, was pretty freaked out. But the angel talked about how special this, this kid was going to be, and, and, and he, he was like, well, well, how can I be sure? And the angel's like, you've got to be kidding. I'm an angel. I stood in the presence of God, and I'm standing right here in front of you, and you're doubting what I have to say? 
You need another sign? Okay, I'll give you another sign. How about no talking? And for six months, or I mean for nine months, he goes home and his wife becomes pregnant. And she kind of goes into hiding for, for five months. And the sixth month she comes out and announces that she's pregnant and everybody's happy. Everybody's having a big celebration. And he's still not able to talk. And now we're in the sixth month. It says that God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay, well, this story kind of begins a little odd here. There's, little, there's some, some nuances here that we have to understand to, to understand the broader picture of what's going on here. This angel goes to visit this girl who later we find out is from the tribe of Judah also. And she's engaged to be married to this guy who is a direct descendant from King David who lived a thousand years before. I mean, who knows if if things had turned out a little differently, this guy literally could have been king of Israel. But what's weird here is the territory they lived in was down in Bethlehem. This This area is Judah's territory. Everybody from the tribe of, of Judah lived in this area. And if you kind of look at this map, and you know, a little above the, the big lake down there at the bottom, you can kind of see toward the left there is, is the area of Bethlehem and, and uh, Jerusalem. And everybody from the tribe of Judah lived down in this area. And now a thousand years later, this guy who's related to King David, he lives way up north, up near Galilee in Nazareth. Look a little left of, of uh, the, the Sea of Galilee up top, and, and you'll see Nazareth. And he's living way up there. I mean, how did this guy get from down there all the way up there? It was unheard of during those times. Literally, you know, that was to give up your land. You lived in the place that your family resided. You lived in the place that God said, your family, your descendants, you have this land and nothing's going to take it from you. But he gave it up. You didn't just go like, you know, Americans, we, we live all over the place, right? Bob and Joyce, one of her, their daughter is, is you know, visiting from Nashville, and I'm sure she's really happy I mentioned that. But, I mean, you know, my parents are in Houston. We have family all over the place. Well, well during this time, you just didn't live wherever you You stayed with your tribe, your people. You didn't just move off. Why would a man and a woman be way up in Nazareth? Well, this comes from an ancient prophecy in 2 Samuel chapter 7. King David ascended to the throne, and he was ruler of Judah and Israel, and he was the greatest king that Israel had ever seen, or would see, really. He was sitting there one day, and he's thinking, man, I have all these temples. I have, I have all these buildings, but God doesn't have any. I want to build him something. And he says to his buddy, you know, the prophet Nathan, and Nathan says, go for it. But that night the Lord came and, and, and told him, you can't build, uh, told Nathan, you can't have David build me a temple because he is a man with blood on his hands. So a man with peace on his hands will build my temple. So David, instead of building the temple, what did he do? He starts gathering all the supplies, getting ready for the temple to be built. I mean, a very smart guy here. But then he said, and I have something else for you, David. I have a special promise. And this is where it reads in 2 Samuel 7, 11. It says, the Lord declares to you 
that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and, and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up an offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build on a house, uh, build a house in my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod of man, with floggings inflicted by man. But my love will never be taken away from him as I uh, took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. What a mighty prophecy this is, and how interesting is it. You know, this is in the middle of giving this prophecy about his current life and what was going on right then, God throws in this future thing that wouldn't happen for over a thousand years. Kind of a dual message here. David would raise Solomon, his son, and he was called Solomon the Wise to to build the temple. But in that same prophecy that doesn't fit into David's life right then was that for a thousand years, someone later would come who was a direct descendant direct line of David, and rule on the throne forever and ever. So you have the line of David, the house of David, the, the, you know, the dynasty of David, who would, who would only be the only legitimate rule for the kingdom. And all through the Bible, there are these writings and promises to back this up. And over, you know, over the centuries, a saying would, would arise. We are looking for the one And everyone Jewish knew what it meant. We are looking for the one. And that one was the one that was going to come out of the tribe of David. They were looking for the mighty king who would rule the world. So a thousand years have gone by, and Rome is now in charge. They just shifted from a republic to a to an empire rule by Caesar alone. And what Caesar did was put Herod in charge of Judah and Israel, which is very interesting because it's a really big problem. Because Herod was not from the line of David, and he really wasn't even a Jew. He was an Edomite. And the Edomites and the Jews did not, come, you know, did, did not like each other. And Edomite, Edom was a brother of Jacob, you know, and Jacob was the one that became Israel. Are you following me at all? The two, you know, they, they were brothers. And 2,000 years later, the, the king over the Jews was an Edomite, which did not go over well, because he would always be against the Jews. Everybody knew he had no right to be in charge of the Jews. Everybody knew that, that he should not be the ruler there. He shouldn't be king. And certainly they didn't call him king. But he was a cruel man. He would hurt anybody you know, and, and hunt anybody down who was from the line of David, who, who he looked at and said, well, could they be a king? Okay, well, I'm going to kill them because, you know, they, they may try to rise up and throw me off the throne. He was an evil man. So all the people who lived in Judea that was from the line of David knew for their safety they needed to move. They needed to get out of town. That's how they ended up. That's how Joseph ended up up in, in, in you know, up north. Any legitimate guy from the you know, time of David, or the line of David, they, they left. So you have this guy named Joseph who's living in Nazareth. And this is important for you and I because all the promises and all the desires of God were, you know, was to take place in Judea, 
in the line of David, and, and all would take place in, in Bethlehem, and yet these guys are way up north in Nazareth, far from the blessing, far from the promise of what was to come, far away from any hope at all that they would be chosen by God for this blessing. Do you feel that way? You ever feel that way in your life? You know, I don't know if at one time or another you were, you know, involved in a dynamic church that was just, just unbelievably, I mean, just the, the things they were doing, I mean, people were just coming down every day. Just growing like you wouldn't believe. It was moving and shaking and, and you felt like that God loved you and God was doing things through you and the way you served, it was, you know, and then all of a sudden something happened. It may have been other people, the way they treated you. It may have been your own sin or, or a combination of the two. And you find yourself kind of on the outside, feeling like you're missing the blessing now. Or maybe you're someone who, who married a person you thought was the love of your life, and forever and forever, you, you, I mean, you were, you, this was it. My life plan is set into motion. And then you watched as that marriage fell apart. And you felt the bitterness and the pain of divorce and the, you know, the abandonment, the, the hateful things maybe you said or they said. And now you're feeling like you're living far from the blessing. You're, you're out in Nazareth. You're out there now. Maybe it has to do with your career. At one point, you're on the fast track, and now things have fallen apart, and it didn't work out. You might be sitting there thinking, man, I am not in the place I thought I would be. You almost feel like you're in the land of runaways right now. And you're certainly not in the land of blessing. See, that's where Joseph and Mary are at this point. They were strangers in a strange place, trying to make a life and something happen to build their life together. And they're sitting there, and this angel walks into the scene in Luke chapter 1 and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And some later manuscripts add, Blessed are you among women. Now, the other night, my wife and I were... uh, uh, playing with Brandon, and, and we got him a, this little toy manger scene because we didn't want him to tear up our, uh, you know, nicer ones. So we got one that he could play with, and he could, you know, throw the pieces. And the other day, Jesus went down the, the car slide, um, which kind of cracked me up. But, but so we're trying to teach him the, you know, the basics, uh, you know, what's going on and, and so forth, you know, trying to train him up. He's young. He's not going to understand every little thing. He's three. So we're, we're teaching him this, and later he's over there playing, and I hear, uh, I hear him say, and the angel comes and says, boo! I thought, okay, we, we got some work here. <laughs> but this angel shows up, greetings, you who are highly favored. Now this is very odd to me what he said. I'm sure Mary was, was really kind of confused. Because the words greeting doesn't convey really what he's trying to say. He's really trying to say rejoice, rejoice, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she's probably going, huh? What? Now, we know from ancient manuscripts that Jewish women 
were married between the ages of, of like 13 and 19 is the way society did it back then. And, and most likely Mary was in her teens and, and Joseph would have been late in his 20s. And the reason why the, at that time the men would have been older was because the man had to establish himself and have a job enough to take care of, of the woman before the family would say, yes, you can marry her. That's just how it was set up. You had to be able to you know, prove that you could take care of your family. So this, this teenage girl is going, what? To this angel who is saying to her, rejoice, start celebrating because you're somebody special and God is with you. And she was probably like, God is with me? Doesn't feel like it, it doesn't seem like it. What are you talking about? Okay, if God is live with me, why am I living up in Nazareth? Why am I not down in, in, in my family's land? And you may be thinking the same thing. If God is with me, what am I doing in this situation? Why am I at where I am in this situation in my life at this moment? Why here? Why now? What about my job or what about my marriage? What about my relationships with my friends? If God is with me, isn't that a great question? God, if you are with me, You see, God has a bigger plan for Mary's life, just like us. God has a bigger plan for us. It was a bigger plan than than she could have ever dreamed. It says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, she's not freaked out because an angel's standing there. I would have been freaked out because the angel was standing there. But she was freaked out just by what he had to say. Now, during ancient times, greetings were very, very important. A lower-class person would never initiate the greeting. They would never come up to you and say, Oh, hi, so-and-so, because, I mean, society operated differently. It always had to be initiated by the higher class, or you just didn't speak to them. So the two classes of people just hardly ever spoke to each other. They just kind of ignored each other as they went on in daily life. They ran into each other down at the market. They just kind of ignored each other. And this angel comes on the scene and speaks to the lowest of the low in society, an unmarried girl. She's just a notch above the people who have diseases. It's not my thinking, okay? Don't get upset. That's just how it was done back then, the way society thought. And now this angel comes and greets her and tells her how wonderful she is, how she's supposed to start to celebrate this life. It says in verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Something about Mary found God's favor. Something about her attitude, maybe it was the way she responded to other people. I don't know, but something just attracted God to her. And and verse 31 says, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now the name Jesus means God saves. Yeshua or Yahweh. The term most high is reserved for for God himself. And we see this from, from Genesis 14. And she would know exactly what that term meant and what the angel was saying to her. How do you think Mary felt at that moment? This young girl, a teenager, knowing that God's favor is on her. She's probably even more confused. The Lord God will give him a throne 
of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How she must have felt. For a thousand years, her people have been praying and hoping for a Messiah, wondering if that day would come. Many of them had actually, you know, given up. Everybody, but, you know, most people wanted to know. They wrote songs about it. They prophesied about it, but he never came. Everybody knew that he would be born in Bethlehem. It'd be from the tribe of Judah. And here she is, you know, a little girl living up in Nazareth, and the angel comes and says, you're the one, you're the one that's highly favored. This is going to rock your world. Not only is it going to change your life, but it's going to change millions and millions of lives. And I love Mary's response here. In verse 34, it says, Well, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. I would have thought, okay, Joseph and I were getting married. We'll have a kid. We'll call this name, you know, we'll call him Jesus. Why did she ask this question? And she didn't even think about Joseph. So I kind of looked into this. And when you got engaged at the time, when you were engaged to be married back in in the first century, you made a contract. Gifts were exchanged between the two families. And for one year, you stayed completely apart. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? If you walked away from it during that one-year period, I mean, the families, there was heavy fines put on you. I mean, it was a contract. And she was, understand, she was under the understanding of, of how Joseph and, and her were to be apart. And she's going, but I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a child this year when we're not even going to be together? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. You know, today there's a teaching out there that says Jesus was just an ordinary guy who grew up and at one point led such a godly life that he earned God's blessing and he became Christ. But that's not what the scriptures teach, that is not what the Bible says. The scriptures teach that Jesus had a unique father who, who had no human biological father. It was the Lord God himself through the power of God. God took one of her eggs and he fertilized that egg by a miracle and he placed it in her body. Part deity and part man, not half and half. Fully God and fully man. And those two would blend together in this theological mystery that we completely don't understand most of the time. Verse 38 says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you, have, as you have said, and the angel left her. That moment must have been amazing. Somehow, the, you know, it doesn't really feel that the scriptures do it justice here. This young girl who lives in this backwaters town, up, you know, way up north, is going to rejoice, and yet... She's going to go through public ridicule and shame at the same time. Humiliation. People will tell her she's crazy. People will tell her, you're lying about this. There's no, when, when were you, okay, if you weren't with Joseph, who were you with? You know that shame and that ridicule that would come through that. 
And if that's not enough, she will endure this child, this baby, dying on the cross, the ultimate death and humiliation. And for all of this, she will, you know, she will become the most famous woman in the world. But that path to glory was a very difficult path. Her, her husband responds to this in Matthew 1.18. He says, uh, or it says here, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary had pledged to be uh, married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be child through the Holy Spirit. Now imagine how Joseph felt before the angel comes to him. It says here, you know, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, which was completely within his rights. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It's very interesting here. Joseph, this righteous man, this godly man, a man who probably had a great reputation within his community, who was willing to do the, all of this quietly. I can't marry this crazy woman who says God came to her and impregnated her. I, I don't understand it, but you know, I don't want to make a big mess out of it. I'll just do it quietly. You know, I was thinking about this. Mary's response is, Lord God, I will accept it. Then Joseph's response is, I love you, but I don't believe you, Mary. You know, I think this is our relationship with God. We follow God because we think we marry. I got the truth from God. God talked to me through the scripture, or I'm praying, and God told me. And then people try to correct us. Well, you're going down the wrong path. God didn't talk to you. No, 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 no. No, God didn't, God didn't come to you and speak to you. How could God speak to you? No, you're just going down the wrong path. See, we all think we're Mary, but most of us are, are really Joseph. God is doing something, you, you know, something wonderful and unique and, and amazing in the life of somebody else, and we try to come in with our words of wisdom that are often wrong and tell them, no, no, no. See, we all want to be Mary. Lord, I will do anything you say. I will do anything you want. But at other times, we look at someone and say, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be down in Bethlehem. You're doing it all wrong. You're not on God's path. You're way out of God's will up here in Nazareth. And you get to tell them that they're wrong. And what are we supposed to be doing? You see, God is already working with them. And here we are, we start to interfere with what God is trying to do. I love Mary's response. She commits. She says, I, okay, I'll do this. Now granted, she got to see an angel first, okay? I understand that. But Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. She gives God permission to work through her. She says, I don't care if people tell me I'm wrong. I don't care if people ridicule me. I don't care at how people respond to me. I know the truth. It's interesting that nowhere in the Scripture does Mary defend herself. Nowhere does she get out there and start a PR campaign to say, no, no, this is really true, you know, and I want to say, come on, defend yourself. 
It's the ultimate self-control to, you know, not to defend oneself, isn't it? Especially when you've been wrongfully accused. Even the Pharisees question, you know, who Jesus' father is. The most powerful woman to walk the face of the earth. They question her about that. In Luke one thirty nine, it says, At the time Mary got ready and hurried down into the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about Elizabeth last week, but Elizabeth already knew that her baby was special. She also knew that Mary's was special, and she immediately celebrates with her. Imagine Mary's relief, you know, knowing that Elizabeth is not going to, to you know, be the one to judge her. She has somebody to, to rely upon here. In a loud voice she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is your child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is the one, or blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. What a revelation for, for Elizabeth this is. She is filled with the Holy Spirit, and instantly she knows what's going on. What a confirmation for, for Mary this becomes. What great hope this becomes. And the next uh, section when, is, is when I, I figured out what Mary was, was favored by God. Mary responds with a song. This is where I figured out why she's favored with God. See, you always see that Mary, and you know the pictures of Mary, right? She's like, you know, just had the baby, and she's got perfect robe, and her hair is perfectly done, and, and that, this, is how all, this is exactly how my wife looked after she had Brandon, right? Just all done it perfect, right? Every woman looks like that. I mean, that's how we view it. This is a poor picture of what the real deal is. You know, we see in a scene, uh, you know, we, we think of her as aloof. We think of her as serene or passive or not saying much because we really don't hear a lot about Mary. She just kind of sits there with the beam of radiance and a halo, you know, around her head. But Mary was a songwriter. She was a singer. And in the Bible, there are only five songs recorded by women, and Mary gets one of them. And what's really cool about her song is, is, you know, and you don't really get this unless you really study the scripture and really understand it. Uh, there's about 15 references to the Old Testament in her song. In her time, most girls were, were never taught to read. It was considered a waste of time. Rarely would a girl be a biblical scholar. Mary is so different, and she writes a song that, with these 15, you know, scripture references here. She knew her Bible. This is why God looked down upon her with favor. So when the angel spoke to her about the Most High God, and he used certain words, she didn't have to go, well, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She knew exactly what he was saying because she knew her Bible. This is awesome. Mary had this hunger for God, therefore God used her. She wasn't looking to be the mother of God. She just wanted to know about her Lord. She wanted to please God on, on an everyday basis in how she lived. 
She wanted to know the scriptures, and therefore she knew God intimately. And man, did it work out for her. You can't go wrong with that kind of attitude. You can't go wrong with the attitude of, I want to know God, I want to know the scriptures, I I want him to work through me and in me. In the middle of all this, she pours, you know, this, this song pours out of her. No wonder why she found favor with God. No public recognition, just what was within her. This is what was on the inside of her. Where there was no hope or useful purpose in life. And billions of people have read this song now and have heard this song. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God and my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has fulfilled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And it says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. She probably stayed there until the birth of John the Baptist. So what does this mean for you and I? Practically, the story of Mary. What is, what is Mary's story in the, in the whole big grand scheme of the birth of Christ and the Christmas season? What does it mean for you and I? I think sometimes we're feel, uh, we feel like we're in the wrong place where we are in life. Wrong place, wrong time, and a lot of times wrong attitude. We think, man, I had my chances, I flubbed them, and it's done and over with. I would say maybe the Lord has you in the right place at the right time, and you just need to adjust your attitude. You need to have the attitude of Mary. Okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, if this is where you have me, then use me. I am your servant. I'm your servant. But you have to be willing to say, Lord, I am your servant. Because if you reject God, God is going to do what? Is he going to throw you away? No, but he's not going to give you that blessing that he wanted to give you. God wants to bless us where we're at. You know, most of us think to be, in, to be in the will of God, I have to go to Africa and be a missionary. I tell you, it's really cool to, to travel the world, and, and, and I love having the Lahu up here this morning to, to hear them worship the Lord, my Lord, in their language. How cool is that? To hear that in, in different languages around the world is so cool. But for many of us, we think, man, I've missed it. God wants us to represent him in every, you know, every facet in life. A friend of mine posted something uh, the other day, and it, it talked about uh, this Christian band and, and why this Christian band doesn't like being called a Christian band. They like to be called Christians. 
who sing. Some of their songs talk about God. Some of their songs are just songs. And, you know, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's kind of cool. Because for some reason we think, oh, to, to, you know, to, to be godly in, in my life, I, well, I mean, I, if I'm a teacher, I need to teach in a Christian school because, you know, that's what we should do. No, God, God wants Christians teaching in the non-Christian schools. God wants us out there in the world trying to influence those for Him, wherever it is. Whether you're working down at the cheese factory or working with the cows or working at Walmart or working at your office. No matter what job you have, you represent God. And what a blessing it is for you to be out there this Christmas season showing them who God is. We can either have the attitude of, I'm up here in Nazareth, I don't know what I'm doing up here. I shouldn't be here. My family's down there. I don't know what God will do. Or we can be like, I'm going to represent God no matter where I'm at in life. That knowing that God can use me in that school. Knowing that God can use me in that business. Knowing that God can use me in everyday life. Because that's what we represent. That's what the Christmas season is all about. Life. Representing Him. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for everything you've done. We pray that this Christmas season that you give each one of us an opportunity to see you active in our lives, to see you active in our job, to see you active in our home life and our kids' lives, that you want to use us right where we're at and that we respond like Mary and say, Lord, I'm your servant, whatever you want. I thank you for putting ordinary people like Mary in the Bible so we can see how you use ordinary people like, like us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless uh, uh, the rest of our day and the, and the time as we go break bread together, that you bless the food, the hands that, that have made that, that as we rejoice this season together, knowing that you are right here with us, now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he give you rest in this busy season. And may he allow you to represent him to those around you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.